You're listening to the Jets Nation Podcast. Hey, I'm Cody Bueller, joined by my brother Kyle. Oh, no, wait. Kyle's sick today. We actually have a guest host. Randy Lilly is going to be joining us. You've heard him on the airwaves all over Manitoba. He's going to be chatting with us today. We're going to talk about the last few games for the Jets. We're going to take a look at the lines. The Jets making some moves at the top of the lineup. We're going to talk about Spiza and the outdoor game coming up this next weekend. All right, so segment number one, joined by Randy Lilly. Uh, Randy, introduce yourself. How do you want to be known here on the Jets Nation podcast? Your debut, subbing in for Kyle. I thought it was the gestation podcast, so now I feel completely unprepared. But that's okay. Looking up the wrong sites, probably not a good idea <laughs> at work. No, it's fine. It's uh, it's exciting to be a part of this. You uh, needed somebody to fill in. I don't know who can fill in for your brother, but you know, your second favorite person of all time. I think pretty okay. close. Yeah. yeah. So Randy filling in today. Uh, tell us who do you normally cheer for? Because I know there's going to be a little bit of people, a few fans upset that we've got a Carolina fan joining us on the podcast today. I will say this, though. If I, I I do cheer for the Hurricanes. They are my number one team. Go Zombie Whalers. However, Winnipeg and the other Canadian teams are number two for me. If Carolina is not going for the Cup, I'm cheering for whoever the Canadian team is. And I know a lot of friends, a lot of family members that are fans of the Jets. They go to the Jets games often. So I find myself cheering for them as well. Unless I'm playing you in fantasy hockey and you have Hellebuck starting. That's the only time I will root against the Jets. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Randy, uh, one of my co-workers here at the radio station in Portage, uh, we're in a big uh, dynasty hockey league. Just started this year. Uh, Kyle is also in, and then we've got a bunch of other guys as well from around the station and from the area. Uh, I do have Connor Hellebuck. Do you have any Jets on your uh, fantasy hockey team? I do not, but it wasn't because I didn't want them. It just didn't work out that way, as you can imagine. Being in Manitoba, the Jets were pretty sought after. Yeah, they went pretty early. I picked Connor Hellebuck pretty early as well. And again, it's based on wins and shutouts. And so you don't have to worry about goals against or save percentage. Knowing Hellebuck's going to get a lot of starts, it's kind of why I targeted him early. But that's not why we're here. We're, I, you probably don't want us to hear to us dragging on about our fantasy hockey pool. You probably got one of your own. Maybe we'll get to some fantasy tips before the end of the show as well. But we want to recap the last couple of games. Have you had a chance to watch any of these last few? It's uh, the last one in particular was not a not an interesting one for me. The Los Angeles Kings, no real interest there. I did look at the uh, Edmonton game because I thought I, I looked at it after the fact, and I thought that was a very interesting game. But uh, Islanders and Kings, not so much. But the Edmonton Oilers game is particularly interesting. Yeah, no, I caught pieces of the uh, Jets Islanders. I got began pieces of Jets Oilers, and then watched most of the game last night again getting up for the morning show, missed the third period. But uh, the Jets-Oilers, that one kind of intrigued me. I was kind of nervous going into that game, knowing that the Oilers were red hot. And then here are the Winnipeg Jets kind of struggling defensively. And they've been on that three-game losing skid. And we talked about that on the last podcast, losing to the Penguins and the Coyotes. And then after the podcast, losing to the Islanders. And I thought, well, here's going to be another loss with the way Edmonton's been playing. But the defense... Coming through. A one nothing shutout victory for Connor Hellbuck. Again, helping my fantasy hockey pool. And then last night, the Jets just struggled out of the gate. I thought, okay, here we go. We got a good win against the Oilers. The team defense is looking good. I thought Connor Hellbuck played really well last night against the Kings. Uh, it could have been a lot more lopsided if it wasn't for him. Uh, Paul Maurice talked about how the Jets couldn't really get any forecheck going. Had a hard time getting things going up front. But the defense looked not bad considering how many shots were given up. Well, exactly. I, I thought that the Jets played physical as well. It just didn't seem to 
generate any any offense. And it, it's very strange because the Kings are not a team I, I am concerned about when I hear, oh, the Jets are playing the Kings. The Oilers, yeah, I get why you were concerned about it. Although the Oilers have cooled off a lot too as well. But when you're looking at the Los Angeles Kings, you expect to go in and win that game. When you look at where the Jets are sitting in the the standings right now, they're just ahead of the Kings as of as of the time of this recording. They're they're up two points with LA having two games in hand. You can't lose those games. If you're, I, I know we're early on in the season, but these are going to be games that are going to haunt the Jets if they miss the playoffs later on in the season. Oh, I don't want to bring that up. But I it's... think we're going to have a few more games that are going to haunt us yet. I think <laughs> that at the beginning of the season, a loss to the Kings isn't going to haunt us yet, but I think there's definitely going to be times, and we've seen these the last couple of years, games that you give up the late lead, and this is one it seemed like they were playing from behind the entire night. But the big thing I want to talk about here on the podcast today is the Jets shook up their lines. Magic Bullet Maurice brought it out onto the bench last night, shook things up, and that's what we're going to talk about in segment number two. All right, so Magic Bullet Maurice last night, that's kind of what we like to call him here on the show, uh, blends up the lines last night. And this is something that fans have been wanting for a long time. Moving Shifley and Wheeler apart. Wheeler's been struggling over the last couple of games. Uh, His point totals aren't too bad. I think he had, what, six points in ten games? Do you have those numbers in front of you? Six and eleven. Yeah, he had, now after the last night, he has now 6-11 right. and 11 yep. games. Uh, he had 6-10 and 10 going into the last game. Not too bad, but when you look at the last couple of seasons, he's been over a point per game. He's had two seasons in the 90-point range. He got that big contract that's now kicking in, making over $8 million per season, one of the highest-paid Winnipeg Jets. It's kind of a little bit lackluster. Are you disappointed at all with what we've seen so far from the captain? I'm a Hurricanes fan. Sebastian Ajo's doing really bad, so I can't criticize somebody else's big player this early on. I I do think guys like Wheeler are going to still have an opportunity to turn it around. Where the conversation gets interesting for me is that there is some discussion about trying to move him. You can't move him now. You can't sell low on Blake Wheeler. If you're going to move him, you got to get something good in return. I think you have to allow him an opportunity to to, uh, get his stats back up to where he becomes intriguing for other teams it's interesting getting another fan's perspective and you give a little bit more sympathy because you have a player who's underperforming on your team who's the captain who's expected to be doing really well i can't say that though because i watch or listen to every hurricanes game and i don't think aho is struggling as much as some people are saying he is so my question to you you look at blake wheeler in the game against the kings with the new lines and so forth dude still played 22 and a half minutes so i mean is he playing poorly or is he just not getting the points right now? Because there's a huge difference. You yeah, know, yeah, and he doesn't have any power play points right now either. And so that does need to pick up because that's the big part of his game. He's been the power play guy the last couple of years. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't have a power play, play, power play point this year. And the Jets had some opportunities last night. Really could have used them then. Fair enough. And they did get one on the power play, I think, late. But I don't think Wheeler got in on that goal. Uh, but... You take a look at Wheeler, and you talked about moving, and this is a conversation I heard yesterday on TSN 1290. Last year, we did a podcast. We called it uh, Trade Wheeler? Question mark. Everybody just assumed that we wanted to trade Blake Wheeler. We did not. That was not our intention, not what we wanted. There was to no t- exclamation point at the there end There was no exclamation. It was, it was a question mark, yeah. but people just thought it was we needed to trade Wheeler, and that's not exactly at all what we were talking about. It got a lot of reaction, a lot of people hating us without even listening to the podcast, but Blake Wheeler, uh, right now he's making quite a bit of money. No uh, power play points. No power play points. So we go to capfriendly.com, and that's a great resource. His cap hit is $8.25 million. He's 33 years old, 
And this contract is going to take him through the next five seasons. So this one plus four more seasons after that. So by the time he's done this contract, he's going to be 38 years old. And so they were talking yesterday on TSN. Do you trade Blake Wheeler now? Some of the fans were calling in. They said, yes, trade him right now while he still has some value. Don't wait till he's a really bad contract at the end of it. Get something for him while you can now. Why don't you wait until he has more value later on in, in the season? I, unless you think that Blake Wheeler's done. I mean, we're looking at this, what, six points in 11 games, three goals, three assists. Do we really think he's going to be a point-per-game uh, point player the entire season? I, I, I don't. And I would like to think that I'm pretty critical of Blake Wheeler at times. I think he's going to be doing considerably better than this. He's still working hard for the team right now. It doesn't look like he's playing too poorly. Last night he had, or in the last game against Los Angeles, he had the most shots on goal. It's not, it's not for a lack of trying. Maybe he's just trying to force it too much right now. It's going to come for Blake Wheeler. It's going to be a point where he's going to be close to a point-per-game player, I think, and then you can consider trading him and get some actual value so, back. Don't dump him. But if he's at a point a game, then why wouldn't you just keep him then at that point, right? Because you know that by the time he turns 38, he's not going to be that guy anymore. I get that logic. And it's so now, way too early to be talking about that, in see, my opinion. See, that's the question, right? Is is this the beginning of the end? And obviously, you hope not. And again, what's bad value? If he's still getting 70 points this season, let's say he doesn't hit 90 like he did the last two. But the years before that, I think he had 70 back-to-back at least. And so he's had consistent production here for the last four or five years. He's been a really good player since the Jets moved. Uh, and he, but I feel like he's stepped up his game over the last four or five. And so if you're paying him 8.25, yes, you're paying partially for what he's done in the past. But at what value number is that a, a bad value at the 8.25? If that, he's getting you 30 points, 40 points, that's probably a little much. Yeah, let's look at his stats here because we got 91 last year, 91 the year before, 74, 78, 61, 69. The more valuable number to me, though, considering how he plays is the amount of games that he's that he's missed. I mean, we're talking four since 2014. That's crazy. That is crazy. And so that why takes would a toll move? on you. It absolutely does. But he hasn't really slowed down. He's, he's in a bit of a slump, scoring slump, yes. But at this point, to give up on a player like that? I don't know, man. No, I'm, I'm totally with you. I, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate a little bit, try and maybe get that point out there, maybe why you would uh, trade him now before the bottom really drops out. I think it'd be a little bit tough to find a team right now who can absorb an $8.25 million cap hit for five seasons unless they're giving cap back. And so the only thing that I can think of, is for, as far as Winnipeg Jets are concerned, with their defense being so weak, having to pick up guys off of the waivers and basically put them into their lineup, the Jets, other than Josh Morrissey, have really been struggling on the back end. There's been flashes where guys look okay. Pionk's looked good at times. I feel Hainala's looked good at times, but they've also looked very amateur at times. Niku has potential. I'm not a big fan of Kulikov. And then you've got a bunch of guys who are basically... AHL level, guys like Boteto, guys like Dahlstrom, Beaulieu is going to be coming in, but these are guys who've kind of bounced back and forth between the NHL and AHL, and so if you could bring in a stud defenseman for Blake Wheeler, again, that's just the only the only way I could see it maybe making sense if you could somehow do something like that, but... Again, I'm on board for keeping Blake Wheeler. You're on keeping Blake Wheeler, you, too? You can't move Blake Wheeler. And if you're looking at a stud defenseman to get in return, I don't know who that is because the key defenseman that was available was a guy I was familiar with and Justin Falk, and the Jets didn't make uh, try to make a move on that. There were some discussions that you move somebody like uh, like an Ehlers for um, 
for something for somebody like that. But I just don't see that as a as a good long term plan for the Jets. I, I don't know who they would be able to trade Wheeler for for a stud defenseman coming back. Yeah, it, it would be one of those players that I think isn't on the market right now because Wheeler isn't isn't considered on the market. He really is not. And I think the way the Winnipeg Jets like him, they just signed him. They're not worried about a six points in 11 games. It's not like he has no points. It's still at a half a point a game. He's not going anywhere. We don't want to get anybody panicked, but we just, again, figured we'd discuss it considering it had been discussed on TSN 1290. Again, don't hate me. Hate the listeners who called into 1290. I'm personally uh, still thinking that they should keep Blake Wheeler. Is the contract going to look bad in the last year? Maybe the last two? Potentially, but you definitely need him and his points for these next two or three, especially. And so now the Winnipeg Jets, and keeping on this Blake Wheeler conversation, and so now this is kind of where I really wanted to go with this conversation. He has been moved off the line of Mark Shifley in the game yesterday. We talked about the blender. The uh, uh, Paul Maurice changed up the top two lines. So Mark Shifley's in the middle on the top line. They put Blake Wheeler from his right wing, moved him down to play with Brian Little. And so that means coming up is Nick Ehlers, who's I think has looked really good this year. I picked him on this show as a breakout candidate this year for the Jets. So Line, Shifley, Ehlers. They're top three scorers, by the way. Yeah, exactly. And that makes sense. And the way those Ehlers has played this year definitely deserves to play with Shifley and with Line. And then Wheeler moving with Little. They've had chemistry in the past. They played together with Andrew Ladd way back, if you remember those days. And then on the line with them is Kyle Connor. And so Wheeler and Connor obviously have a history together. Wheeler and Little have a history together. Little's played with Connor as well. These guys have all played with each other, so it's just a different combination. What do you think of that top six for the Winnipeg Jets? I think it's a decent top six. That's a very nice top line. There is concern when you do have your best players all in one line, but it's not like the Jets are just three guys and that's it. I think Kyle Connor's going to have a pretty solid year. I am a little, I'm wondering about Brian Little, how he is. See, I saw last game was his first one back from injury, and he had been out for a while. I, I think that was his first game of the season, actually. He's got two games under his belt, according he, to this. Okay, so it's his second game of the season. Either way, he's been out for a while with injury. And so coming back into the lineup, I thought he looked good last night. Uh, he was a part of that second goal for the Jets, or maybe it was the first, one of the early goals. Uh, he was a part of that. He looked good. It looked like he was skating well. And so if Little can even just come back and be a 40, 45-point guy, there was an interesting conversation about keeping Andrew Kopp on that second line and then putting Little with Lowry kind of on the third line. And because Lowry and Little have had some time together. Hmm. And so Connor hasn't been that great in that second line role. I thought Connor looked, or sorry, Kopp. I, I like Kopp playing with Lowry again. Those guys have chemistry together. If they're going to get a regular shift, those two guys playing together last night, I think with Bork, uh, I thought that line looked really good. They were got some zone time. They were able to get possession and really work it around for a while. So I like that line. I also like this new combination of with Shifley, with Ehlers and Line. A. The big conversation last year was who plays between Ehlers and Line. A? And most people thought it wasn't going to be Cop. They didn't really like it being Brian Little. A lot of people called for Shifley. Well, now we're seeing it. And now we'll see if this can work. Obviously, no goals for the Jets in the third period when the lines were together. But I think now I'm hoping they'll keep them together for a couple of games so we can see. If you are trusting a center to be the guy with your other big names, do you really want it to be Cop? I don't, well, I don't, that's I don't love thing, that idea. He's got some defensive ability. And it's interesting to hear uh, because sometimes I feel on this podcast and just the Jets world in general, we get really focused on our own players. And we get really 
tuned in to our own players. We only hear about the Winnipeg Jets. We only talk about Jets players and where they are, and we only watch the Jets. And so that when somebody else comes in, they haven't really heard of Cop. They don't really have that high of opinion of him. I wouldn't go that far. Is that kind of the same? Or is that kind of your thoughts here coming in? I mean, I I don't know if I'd go that far. I I do like teams that can run three to four lines. I mean, you obviously have an advantage if you can do that, but I just don't see the logic of splitting... Splitting up, uh, splitting up those guys. Like Shifley just seems like the obvious center for that line for Ehlers and Line. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why you wouldn't just do that. Because well, because him and Wheeler had been kind of a go-to tandem for a long time, and they'd had a lot of success together. I suppose, but I mean, if if it's me, if I'm looking, if I'm looking long term, I would just I would just think that would be the better option the way they're going now. And if Ehlers is coming on, like you say, he's going to be. That's you really I've should have him up there it. with Shifley. Yeah, no, I've really liked what I've seen from Ehlers, and I hope that he can find chemistry with Shifley and Line. Line's look better this year, just overall, in my opinion. I'm hoping that this is really good for Wheeler. Getting a different matchup, getting a different defense against him. I'm not worried. I think his production is going to come around this season still. And so, with him and Little together with uh, Connor on the left side, I I really like that. I think it really... Putting Little there with Wheeler gives me more confidence in Little, if that makes sense. Because he's worked well with Wheeler, opposed to putting Cop there with Wheeler or somebody else. I think that this really boosts the top two. Having Cop with Lowry really bolsters that third line. Whoever's Agreed. on the other wing, whether it's going to be Appleton, Rozovic, Bork, pick a guy. And then Perot on the fourth line, it just... To me, it just makes the depth so much better having Little back in the lineup. Obviously, it wasn't enough for the Jets against the Kings, and maybe that was just a case of not skating enough or things not going their way. Uh, is there anything else you want to mention on Wheeler before we move on to the next segment? Not just Wheeler, but we're talking about lines. I, what is the top two defensemen right now? Your top defensive pairing right now? Um, I know, I know, it's not really how it should be with certain guys contemplating retirement and so forth. But the reason why I ask is because. I know there was a lot of controversy in the offseason with that trade for the first round pick involving Kevin Hayes, et cetera, and you get Neil Pionk back. And people thought maybe that wasn't enough. I don't know about you, but I've been pretty happy with what I've seen from him this year. From Pionk? Yeah, not just points, but just the amount of time that uh, he's being trusted with on the ice. I think that that you shouldn't sleep on him. I, I, I think that there is some real potential for Pionk, and I hope I'm right on that one. Well, he's had some power play time. And he's looked not too bad. I, I haven't minded Pionk. Uh, right now, according to Daily Faceoff, Morrissey and Kulikov, Pionk and Hanala, and then Dahlstrom and Batetto. And so again, right now, you've got Dahlstrom and Batetto, who are basically AHL-level defensemen. Yeah, one of those is not like the other two. You've got Kulikov, who last year was a third-pairing defenseman, and at times on this Winnipeg Jets team, he's been a bubble guy, especially when everybody's been healthy. And then Pionk and Hanala. Hanala is an 18-year-old rookie who's going to push nobody over. Has smarts, but he's not going to win any physical battles. And he can skate okay. He's not uh, as good as Niku. Niku is right now in the AHL. I think he's also battling some injuries. Uh, Beaulieu is battling some injuries. Josh Morrissey is really the only stud defenseman on the top pairing and really in the lineup. And so the defense definitely still concerns me. They got a new player, and actually, and that's what we're going to talk about next. One quick mention, I did want to mention uh, Connor Hellebuck. I've liked the way he's played the last couple of games. He took a ton of shots against the Kings. I really, um, things I think are looking good for uh, Connor Hellebuck, at least in my opinion. Yeah, because he, uh, the Edmonton game, fun, super yeah. fun. Uh, LA as well, yeah. I, I think I think Hellebuck's doing a lot better than uh, some people thought he would. I'm not going to throw out any names, but you know what? 
I'll admit it. I didn't think Hellebuck was going to have a great year. I'm happy to see him bouncing back after the early season struggles. So the Winnipeg Jets picked up a new defenseman, Lucas Spiza. I took a plane to Ibiza to show a Fiji I was cool. I think that's going to be my new favorite song now, actually. I didn't actually know there was a radio version to that. So when you said the title of that, I thought you were wrong. But it turns out that there was a radio-friendly version made by Mike Posner. So yeah, that's there you right. go. Learning so experience. So I for took me. a plane to Ibiza, or I took a pill to Ibiza. Uh, your choice, I guess, which version you want to listen to. But Lucas Pisa for the Winnipeg Jets, no affiliation with the island of Ibiza, as far as, as we know. As far as we know, who knows what he does in his personal time? I'd be probably headed there if my last name was Spiza. Either way, he's been picked up by the Winnipeg Jets. They need help, just like we talked about in the last segment. They've got some AHL-level defensemen. They've got guys who are hurt. Bufflin's still contemplating who knows what. Maybe he's fishing. I don't know what he's doing right now. And they need reinforcements. Apparently, the Moose battling some injuries as well. Your thoughts on Spiza? I don't know, and here's why. We haven't seen him play a full season in a few years, and that was with when he was with Vancouver. I don't remember hearing much about him when he was with the Canucks. Back in that time. I was a Canucks fan, and looking at his stats, I remember him with the Canucks. I didn't follow them as closely uh, once the Jets came back, but I always definitely kept an eye on him, and I remember him playing for the Canucks. I remember him being kind of okay, getting uh, decent minutes. He played uh, for the Canucks, 76 games, 41-82. He was a regular in their lineup. Then in Vegas, he played 30 games uh, for the Golden Knights, and then last year, he played just nine games for the Islanders. And so he's a guy who's kind of, again, been a borderline NHLer. And those are the kind of guys you get off of waivers. It's not really surprising. Well, yeah, and he was claimed in the expansion draft to Vegas as well, which is why he was there. And they decided not to play him on their historic run to the finals. So this is a player with obviously a few chips on his shoulder. He's going to want to prove that he belongs in the league. And he's likely not going to get a better opportunity than this, where the there is a team that wants to compete, that wants to make the playoffs, that wants to make some noise in the postseason. That's the Winnipeg Jets. This is a perfect opportunity opportunity for Spiza to come in and show that he belongs. I hope he does that. I hope so, too. Because if he doesn't... Because the Jets need help. Absolutely. <laughs> like, literally anybody who's going to come in and play okay, I think he can be better than Potato. I think he can be better than Dahlstrom. Is he going to be better than some of these other guys like Niku, Hanala, Pionk, Kulikov? I don't think so. It's just tough. I hope somebody can catch fire. Yeah. That's really all I'm hoping for at this point, uh, bringing in a guy like Lucas Pisa. One thing we did want to mention here before we wrap up the show today, uh, the Winnipeg Jets have an outdoor game against Calgary this weekend. Have you ever been to an outdoor game before? No, I have not. I've always wanted to. It looks like it would be the perfect atmosphere for a hockey game. And to see the high-level hockey as well, I mean, it's one thing to go and watch outdoor hockey. It's another to watch the best world, the best players in the world do it. Right, because this is your only time. The first few times that they did this, I thought it was, okay, this is really neat. Then for a period of time, I thought it was very gimmicky. Yep. I was getting sick of it. Now I'm kind of back on the I think it's cool again train. Where where do you fall where do you fall on that or do you kind of in your last statement think it's a good idea? I think it's a good, I mean I think it's a great idea. It's an it's an opportunity to show some some different people what's going on out there in the NHL who the best players are. You don't always get to see that high level caliber hockey. And you can make the argument that the teams are struggling still. Even the worst teams in the NHL are still some of the best teams 
in the world when it comes to hockey. Okay, so let's take a look at this, though, as far as outdoor games are going. And this is uh, according to NHL.com. First outdoor game was a Heritage Classic in 2003. Montreal and Edmonton. Remember that? It was that long ago? That long ago, yeah. Commonwealth Stadium. That's 16 years, man. That's a long time. And so at first I thought, oh, man, this is really cool. Then they took a break. They did the Winter Classic, Pittsburgh-Buffalo in 2008. They did a Winter Classic on January 1st again in 2009, 2010, 2011. For those four years in a row, it was always on January 1st, different venues, and it was always in the United States. Then in 2011, they got crazy. They added another one. They added another one in 2012, took a break in 2013. Then they went 2014. They had one, two, three, four, five, six games in 2014. That point, I thought this is getting a little ridiculous. That many games in one winter. It certainly takes away the special aspect of it, but I don't mind them adding more if if they work, if they're well attended, if they work. They had two in 2015, another four in 2016, another four in 2017, two more in 2018, and now they've got three here in 2019, one at the beginning of the year in January, one in February, and now this one here in October. Then they've got one in 2020 on January 1st, and then another one on the 15th in 2020. What are those two games coming up? Uh, the Winter Classic is against, uh, uh, on January 1st, Nashville and Dallas. And then the Stadium Series is February 15th, LA Kings against the Colorado Avalanche there you go. in Colorado. And so the one in Winnipeg, or the one with Winnipeg, this is only the second time the Jets have been involved. The Jets played in 2016, uh, hosting Edmonton. That was at IG Field in Winnipeg, formerly Investors Group Field. Right. That game, uh, the Jets actually didn't score a goal in that one. They got shut out 3 nothing by Edmonton, so they didn't even get to hear their 30,000 Jets fans erupt at a goal. So that would have been pretty cool. It's kind of sad that they didn't get to see that. But uh, the Jets getting a chance to redeem themselves here against Calgary and Regina. I, I don't mind this venue. It kind of makes sense. People in Saskatchewan haven't been able to get NHL hockey. Now you get a regular season game coming to your town. Riders fans, it's very popular. You get to have an NHL game in your stadium. I think it's going to be successful. Oh, it will be successful. There's no doubt about that. Hopefully the Jets can play better than they did against the Kings last night. But I am kind of of the mindset. It It's cool when it's your team playing in the outdoor game. But it's definitely lost its specialness, in my opinion, well, with all these games. There, there. You can't argue that this is a throwaway game. This is an important game because both Calgary and Winnipeg are outside of the playoffs if they started today. Calgary is actually ahead of Winnipeg by one point, and they've both played the same amount of games. So this is important. These, these are two teams that both expect to be there at the end. There are some teams that are also in the conversation that maybe weren't expected to be there. Anaheim, certainly one of them. But both Calgary and Winnipeg are expecting to make the postseason, and they're going to have to win games like this. So maybe you ask the question, should they be having an important game like this in an outdoor rink in Regina? I don't know. Like, as long as they're making money, I guess keep doing it. But it's to me, it's just... Here's another question, I'm actually. tired of the gimmick. I just want it one per season. Make it... I, the local fans care, but I think the... Like, I remember the first few, it's just like the entire NHL was watching. This is an outdoor game. It's so exciting. You lose some of that. Here's a question for you, though. This is this is one of the Winnipeg Jets' home games. Yes. Do you think that it will be overwhelmingly Winnipeg fans in that stadium, or do you think a lot of Flames fans are going to be in there as well? Because when you start talking about how the Jets might be clawing and scratching their way to the postseason, 
you're losing one of your home games. Which is a pretty good atmosphere in Bell MTS Place. Yes, you are losing one of your home games to Regina, where there is a possibility, and I don't know what the percentage is, but there is a possibility that that I think it's going to be, be a mixture of red, blue, and green. Because let's be honest, there's going to be Rough Riders fans in the crowd wearing Absolutely. their green. It's Absolutely. Saskatchewan. They wear their green everywhere. It's going to be interesting. People in Saskatchewan, who do they cheer for? There's going to be some who've always kind of been loyal to Winnipeg and maybe will side towards Winnipeg, maybe remember them when they used to be there. But there's going to be a lot who have switched over to Calgary because that's the closest geographical team to them. Yes, there's going to be Calgary fans who drive out. There's going to be Winnipeg fans who drive out both ways. It's who are the fans in Regina going to be cheering for? And I think it's going to be mixed. You're going to be some who are going to be like, oh, we're closer to Winnipeg. We've got relatives in Manitoba. We've got a Manitoba connection. Cheer for that. There's going to be some who are going to be like, well, we hate the Bombers, so we're never going to cheer for a Winnipeg <laughs> team in anything. Yeah. And because there's that Manitoba-Saskatchewan rivalry, there's going to be some who've maybe always followed Calgary because they've been the closest team to them geographically, especially when the Jets were gone. I think it's going to be a healthy mix. I think there could be slightly more Calgary. I don't like, even if it's 50-50, I don't like that as a home game. It depends on how well your team plays in front of your fans, obviously. But if you are one of the ones that believes Winnipeg plays better at home, it's got to be a little bit of a bummer that they are playing one of their home games where at best, you know, maybe they got 55% of the support. Hopefully they can pick up the win. And of course, we'll cover that next week in our podcast. Hopefully Kyle will be feeling better. Get well, Kyle, if you're listening to this. Probably not listening. Maybe he is. Who knows? Well, that does it for the Jets Nation podcast today. Thank you very much to Randy Lilly for joining us. Uh, if people are wanting to find your work and find your stuff, where can they find you? Uh, the best place to find my stuff would be portageonline.com. A lot of news, a lot of sports, a lot of local stuff. It's more Portage La Prairie, obviously, than anything else. But that's where you can find... Cody and I on any given day. Oh, hey, quick advice for Kyle out there. Uh, best of luck on you, um, not not only feeling better from your sickness, but from your fantasy team as well, because uh, p- part of us is uh, wondering if maybe that's why you're sick, because it's, <laughs> it's not going so well. But you know whose pool is going well? This guy. Oh, yeah. You can't see me pointing, but I'm number pointing one, right at me. Number one in the league. That's right. Pretty good start. I'm usually terrible at fantasy hockey, so I don't know what's happened these first two weeks, but knock on wood. Hey, hopefully we'll uh, keep this going. Same thing with Blake Wheeler. Still early, my man. Anything can happen. <laughs> it is still early. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Randy. This is the Jets Nation podcast. Hit us up at Jets and Podcast on Twitter. Find all of the Jets Nation podcasts at JetsNation.ca.